0: My Lord and my God, my Lord and my God, this proclamation of Thomas rings from the Scriptures, a proclamation that we should all make of Jesus, my Lord and my God, my Redeemer, my Savior, my Master, my Creator, my Lord and my God. But this isn't where Thomas started. We must remember Thomas had in his past, in his experience, in his life, this this nagging pessimism, this expectation that things were going to go wrong. This expectation that it wouldn't go right. And when he had heard that Jesus had been raised from the dead, he didn't believe it. He said in response to them, he said, I will not believe it unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands. And I put the finger, my finger in the mark of the nails, and my hand in his side. I will not believe it. Unless I can see it with my eyes. Unless I can touch him with my fingers. I will not believe, he said. He had seen his Lord arrested. He had heard that he had died, had been buried. He was dead, dead, dead dead, dead, dead. The idea that he could be back, that he could be alive, that he could be present with the disciples was one that he just couldn't grasp. He couldn't believe. And so he wanted to see and have physical proof of the resurrection. He wanted to see and have proof that Jesus was alive. He wanted to see and have, before we are too hard on Him, we wanna, He wanted to see and have precisely what the other disciples had. Jesus had already met with them. Jesus had already said, peace be with you, Jesus had already spoken with them. Jesus had already been with them. They had seen Him. They had known Him. They had spoken with Him in His resurrection. Over in Luke's Gospel, Cleopas and the other disciple, whom I believe was his wife, Mary, Cleopas had had dinner with Jesus, had spoken with Him on the road, and had in Emmaus sat and watched as his master broke the bread and suddenly his eyes were opened that this was indeed Jesus, the risen Lord. Mary Magdalene didn't recognize Jesus when he first spoke to her until he uttered her name. Then she recognized that this wasn't the gardener, this was Jesus, her rabbi, her master, her Lord. Each of the disciples had to have their own encounter, their own experience with Jesus. They had to see and know that the Lord was risen and with them. So Thomas is no different than the rest of them. Sometimes Thomas gets a bad rap as the doubter when in reality he expresses, explicitly expresses what we all feel the need to know. And his proclamation, my Lord and my God, comes after Jesus presents himself for the test. See, Thomas, see the holes in my hands and in my side and put your fingers here. Do not doubt, but believe. And Thomas goes to his knees and says, my Lord and my God. Jesus presents himself for the test and Thomas really doesn't need to put those fingers in those holes. All he has to do is see and believe and proclaim, my Lord and my God. The affirmation that we all should have. And then Jesus' final words here ring to us. Have you believed because you have seen me? Uh, I've said this many times while I've been here. That, that's a bad translation. The use of the word believed is a bad translation. It's the same word in Greek as the word for faith. Have you faved? Have you exercised belief? Have you had active, living belief? Have you had faith because you have seen me? Do you have faith? because you have seen Me? Do you faith because you have seen Me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to faith. Have come to have faith. Have come to exercise their belief. Have come to have an active, living faith. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to faith me. Last week I talked, on Easter Sunday, I talked about the reasons I believe in the resurrection, the reasons that I believe in the resurrection of Jesus. And I, I said that they were orbiting around the concepts of the, the Scriptures and the traditions of the church and the experience of Christians and our reason. And that you can talk about each of the evidence is in this way, with the scriptural foundations and the traditional interpretations and supplementation of it, and the experience that we have and other Christians have and the disciples had, and the reason that we have, the reasoning sense, the ability to communicate it and understand it and comprehend it and speak about the nature of Jesus, all of these things serve to prove the resurrection for me and in the scriptural portion I spoke about how the tomb was empty and how the disciples, the the two disciples, especially the one disciple who would be the most unlikely to be to be chosen to find the empty tomb if they were making up the story was Mary Magdalene. If the story was being made up, if the empty tomb story was being made up by later writer They wouldn't have chosen Mary Magdalene to be the one to find the tomb. They would have used Peter or James or Thomas to find the tomb. Another hero, a male hero, and one who had not been possessed by demons. So this story is not made up. The story of the empty tomb is not made up, it's not added later. The story of the empty tomb is part of the original account of the resurrection of Christ. And then you look at, from Scripture and then tradition, the response of the disciples and how they went from being faithless, frightened, impetuous, doubting, to being brave to the point of death, to being willing to face down the threat of death and indeed to die without having recanted their faith. Thomas is the example, a good example, an excellent example. A man who went from, how it's recorded in Scripture, went from being a doubter to being a favor, a doubter to believing, and not just believing, but then professing his belief, my Lord and my God. He went from doubt and saying, I I won't believe it until I see it and touch it. faith, my Lord and my God. Most of us begin, if you grew up in the church like I did, we begin with experience. We begin with experience. We know Jesus, we experience Jesus, we have Jesus in our families, in our lives, we have the blessing of of having a church that expresses the love of Jesus to us and we have that internal experience of the real presence of Christ, we grow up knowing Jesus before we can explain Jesus. It's a wonderful blessing. But then how do you explain it? How do you express it? How do you take it from the experience to something that is objective, from something that is subjective, experience? something that is objective. You have to step back to the account of Scripture. You have to step back to the account of the empty tomb. You have to step back to the account of the response of the disciples. You have to step back to the account of the history of the church and how the church went from being persecuted and being almost destroyed by the Roman Empire to actually overcoming the Roman Empire and taking it over. You have to look at how faith in Jesus Christ has changed the lives of millions of people as well as how the, the life of Jesus has changed our lives today and how the life of Jesus has changed you. You can go from experience, the subjective, to the objective, what Scripture in history says to what you see happening around you in the lives of others who have heard and experienced the gospel in word and in deed, who have heard and experienced the presence of Jesus in their lives. And then you can express it to others. The best proof that we can have today of the resurrection of Jesus, the best proof that we can present today the resurrection of Jesus is you lot sitting right here, or any group of Christians anywhere in a worship service this day or any other day. The gathered community of the faithful together, believers gathered together to worship God and praise God, believers gathered together to study the Word of God, to offer prayers of intercession for others, believers gathered together to study the Word of God. Believers gather together to reach out with a helping hand and become the hands and the feet of Christ to those who are hungry, to those who are homeless, to those who are those who are naked, to those who need so much. The best proof today for the resurrection of Jesus is you. Well, we can't touch Jesus' hands and put our fingers in the holes. We can't see Jesus, the risen Lord, with our bare eyes, as Thomas did. We can't see Jesus. We can't talk to Jesus. Or can we? Thomas said, I won't believe it until I put my fingers in the holes. I won't believe it until I see him and touch him. Jesus presented himself for the test. Are we willing to reach out and touch Jesus? Are we willing to look and see Jesus? In our neighbors, in our sisters and brothers in Christ. Oh gosh, Craig, it was great while you were talking about things historical. It was great while you were talking about things biblical. It was great you, how, when, while you were talking about how Jesus changed lives. It was great when you were talking about personal experience of the life and, and, and presence of Jesus in your life. But now I've got to look at my neighbor and see Jesus. Ugh. I don't much like them, I don't want to see Jesus in them I sat in this chair on this row because there wasn't any other room to sit no, yeah right but my brothers and sisters sometimes today especially the only Jesus somebody's going to ever see is you When you go out those doors and you meet people on the streets, you meet people at work, you meet people at school, you meet people in the grocery store, you meet people in the shopping mall, the only Jesus they're gonna see ever, some of these people, is you. How you act, how you behave, what your life looks like, how you treat other people. Sometimes the only Jesus others will see, is you. No, I don't think I like that because I know how poorly an example we can be, how poor we can be as examples of the love of God. The church fights amongst itself, disagrees with itself, doesn't like sitting next to itself. Calls each elder names. Half the church sits and does nothing while the other half of the church feels like it can't quit because no one else will take up the job. I'm speaking universally, not just about this church, friends. I've, in the 25 years of my ministry, in all the churches I've pastored, every one of them has had some strong similarities. They've been loving people who love God, who love others, who want to serve God the best way they can. But guess what? We have faults. We have blemishes. We sometimes fight and disagree. We sometimes are very disagreeable. But my brothers and sisters, when we go out there, We will meet people for whom we are the only expression of Jesus they will ever see. And that means that we need to be setting aside our own agenda, our own plans, our own ideas, our own dreams even. We need to set them aside and simply express the love, forgiveness, and presence of Jesus for all. And to do that, if we're going to do that, the only way we can do that is if we practice on each other. Oh, I knew he was going to say that. I knew he was going to say. He's meddling now. Yeah, I am. One of the nice things about preaching sermons at the end of one's ministry in a church is one can say a few things to people without having to worry about the district superintendent. I love all of you there's some people here uh, who are not here today I wish they were here I love all of you and them too but my brothers and sisters sometimes we get a little introverted a little self-focused a little anemic in our attitudes when we should be showing Jesus to this world. To the people outside these doors. To the people who are not exactly the kind of people we want to hang around with. To everybody. We need to be expressing the love of God. Not to some theoretical group out there. But to the people who live right here. Right over there we need to be expressing the love of God to all. And yes, that means we've got to start with each other. We've got to start with each other and recognize and see in our sister and brother the child of God that they are and the manifestation of the presence of Jesus that they are. Thomas said, I won't believe it until I stick my fingers in the holes and see him with my own eyes. All he had to do was see him and he went to his knees and said, my Lord and my God, are we willing to look in our neighbor and reach out and touch our neighbor and recognize that we're touching another part of the body of Christ? See, we can touch the body of Christ today by reaching out and touching a neighbor. I want you to do that now. I want you to reach out and touch your neighbor. If you're not sitting next to someone, reach forward or backwards. Grab on. Grab a hold. Touch the hand. Grab it. You're touching part, over there, you're not, you're sitting, you're part of this, touch. There you go. You're touching part, back there, yes. You're touching part of the body of Christ. You're touching a sister or brother who's part of the body of Christ for you. We're called to take that love of God and share it. That love of God that we have all received from the cross and share it with all we meet. Yeah, you can, you can let go. (laughs) At least temporarily. Oh, my brothers and sisters. Northgate is positioned to proclaim the gospel in word and in deed. You already do it wonderfully, beautifully in many ways. You need to keep doing it wonderfully, beautifully in many ways. And in the meantime, you need to be loving each other, supporting each other, lifting each other up. Yes, reaching out and touching the part of the body of Christ that's sitting next to you. Even if you had that fight with them at the board meeting the other night, you still need to reach out and touch them and share the love of God for them and with them so that we can then turn outwards, outwards to this community and share that love that we have received with all. Thomas proclaimed, My Lord and my God, having gone from doubt to faith, it changed his life to see the Master. It changed his life completely. As I said last week, he went to India. He took the gospel of Jesus Christ to India. He was totally alone in a place where nobody lived. It wasn't even part of the Roman Empire and he died a horrific death being filleted alive refusing to recant his affirmation of Jesus as God. He was totally changed by the resurrection. He was totally changed by the real presence of Jesus in his life. He was totally changed as were all the other disciples. May we be totally changed. May we be totally transformed, share the love of God with each other. So that we can then share the love of God with all outside these walls. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. You have been listening to a sermon by Dr. Gregory Neal, Senior Pastor of Northgate United Methodist Church and Rector of Grace Incarnate Ministries. Copyright 2014 by Dr. Gregory S. Neal. All rights reserved. For more information or to listen to other sermons by Dr. Neal, visit us on the web at www.revneal.org. That's www.revneal.org. You are also invited to visit us in person at Northgate United Methodist Church, 3700 West Northgate Drive, Irving, Texas, 75062. This program was produced by Dr. Gregory Neal.